0: Can we just pray? I, I'm, I'm just gonna be upfront with you. I don't know how else to be. I'm so grateful for this conference um, and the mission of this. But it's, it's uh, sadly, this is out of my wheelhouse in a sense. Um, if I could relive my life I would have spent a lot more time focusing on this, and somehow, you know, we get distracted by other things, and maybe even we're brought up in a time when the church may have encouraged other things other than this task. And so, in some ways, I stand up here going, what am I doing up there? You know, what am I doing up here? Some of you have sacrificed in ways that I don't even understand to get the message to the unreached people groups. And I I was even listening to the quote that that you gave by Oswald, someone that, um, you know, should the gospel be preached twice uh, before it's been preached once, and I'm one of those that has been busy trying to figure out how to preach the gospel to those who've heard it 50 times, but no, let me come up with a better video than they watched last time, and maybe this video will save them, or maybe this book, or maybe this, you know, where there, I feel like there's this group in America of 5, 10 million people that go around and consume all the books, all the podcasts, all the conferences, and then you've got this little group of people that just almost competes for the attention of those same 10 million people. And, and honestly, I've gotten caught up in that. And, uh, and so even as I was asked to speak at this conference and I'm just even thinking about the name of this, you know, finishing the task and, and going, gosh, Lord, have I gotten so distracted while of course this is uh, something that's on my heart. It's not with the seriousness that I need, um, and I've even been praying leading up to this conference, like, God, I, I need my heart changed um, because I haven't been serious enough. And we're very good in America at conferences, at uh, listening to messages and, and amening and going, yeah, 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 Oh, that broke me. Oh, I'm going to go home and weep about that. And, and we say these things, but then the follow-through, um, and I heard yesterday, you know, again, we had one of those moments where, right, hey, we just committed to every people group and there's this celebration, but then what about the follow through? And and from what I hear, there, there, there have been 1290 churches that were committed that made that same commitment. You know, that says we're gonna be one of those and actually only 314 followed through. You know one out of four which you know well at least we got some but you know it's it's just one of those things where we're quick to make these these decisions and i and, and quick to say yeah i'm all for it. quick to say for better or for worse but then things come up and and you look at the numbers there you know where 50% of the believers can't even stay married. So one out of four to commit, you know, well, that's pretty good, you know? But I, I just, I don't want to get up here and say, well, let me tell you about finishing the task. I just want to throw that out there um, and then pray for this time. And <laughs> some of you guys are looking at me like, well, then why are you still up there? Just sit down. I don't know. The Lord's got me here. I do have a message, okay? But... um I just wanted to confess that to you, that you know even I can say, okay, if I could live my life over, I would have been more committed to or more focused on finishing the task rather than speaking to the people who've already heard it a hundred times. It's easy for me to say that, but I've even been wrestling the last couple of weeks in particular going, okay, but I am still alive right now. And so what changes will I make now for the remainder of my life. And that's where it gets difficult. I can even come up here and say, okay, so the Lord's changed my heart, but what does that even mean? Like what am I gonna do? And so I just feel like I need prayer right now. I do believe the Lord has given me his word and a message from his word. Um, But I'd, I'd love it if you would join me in prayer right now. Would you pray with me? We think of you in all of your glory right now in heaven. You've kept us in this room breathing for a reason. And any second you could take that away, even before my message is over. God, there's so many things we're afraid of on this earth. So many things we don't want to give up. And the struggle, especially here in America, Father. So many comforts, so many things we believe we deserve and are owed to us. God, and sometimes I just fear our ears have grown dull and we hear so many messages. God, we've learned how to respond. I'm just asking that you would break through all of that to a true Holy Spirit response that doesn't let us quit when it gets difficult and even enjoys the suffering. Pray that you guard my lips from anything that would bring glory to me, any dishonesty, any exaggeration of your word or watering down of your word. God, may we not depend on the flesh to do what only your spirit can do. God, I pray even for the lies that are in this very room amongst leaders, those who are in affairs or dabbling in affairs, those who are addicted to pornography and yet trying to lead your church. those who have lost their passion for you and their first love and are doing this like a job or a business, God, I pray that you would change that by your spirit today, that your spirit would guide them into all truth. Purify us, Lord. Humble us so we can be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I remember when I was in a seminary, um, there was a professor who spoke at a chapel, um, C.W. Smith, and he's, he's with the Lord now, but uh, older man, and I, I believe at that point, he had been in ministry for 45 years. I don't remember much from seminary. I mean, who, who does, right? Um, but I remember two chapels, and his was one of them. Because I, 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 I don't know, as a professor, I didn't connect with him. I, I, he was over my head. Um, but he came and he did this chapel one time where he looked at us, and he just said, Many of you are not going to make it. And he just started crying. Here's this older man just crying. He goes, I know so many of you aren't going to make it. He goes, I've seen it, I've been teaching for whatever, 40-something years, and it, it happens all the time. You know, oh, you didn't get the health benefits you you, you wanted, you didn't get the life insurance policy you, you wanted, the church wasn't paying you enough, this happened, this happened, this happened. The elders weren't cooperating, it just went on and on and on, and all of these reasons, and he just was crying, and he goes, he goes, when me and my friends committed, when we were young and we knew the Lord was calling us to ministry, we knew it was for life and nothing was gonna stop us but you're not like that and I just remember sitting there listening to this man who had taught so many people and had gone through the cycles and seen people who thought they were serious about about finishing the task by about, about continuing in the ministry and he says you know it's just a different generation where you have all these expectations and once it gets hard you quit once it gets too hard, you quit. It's true about marriage, it's true about ministry, it's certainly true about finishing the task and getting into these unreached people groups. I, I, I think about um, when I got my call, or I believe I got my call into ministry, you know, I think it was my freshman year of college, and uh, was at a youth camp, and you know had thoughts of it in my head but just just one of those moments where it's like no this is this is what i need to be doing this is my call i i if people are literally going to a place of destruction um then what else can i busy my life with and uh, I, there were a few two or three maybe people that I knew that were heading into the mission field, but they were always just like, okay, that's, that's kind of weird, okay? It was back in the 80s. It was just like, okay, that's just, uh, we didn't talk about it a lot, at least in my circles. It was just every once in a while you'll see a missionary family once a year. There was a mission Sunday, and, uh, and I was like, okay, that's, that's for them. But the rest of us that are hitting the ministry, you know, we were looking at the great youth speakers, the great communicators. I want to be like them. I, I want to speak at this camp one day. You know, maybe one day I'll be on that stage speaking to all these high schoolers, and, 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 and then come, you know, and they'll come forward and, and talk about how I changed their life you know I remember man and then when I became one of those speakers I remember you know like Friday night before camp's over they would have victory circle victory circle was where you know you gather around the campfire you know a few hundred of your friends and people just share what happened during the week and I remember I would always just kind of sneak into the back of victory circle just to listen I'm being honest with you because I wanted to hear how many kids would talk about me. I wanted to hear my name. I wanted to hear them say, oh, when that speaker spoke, he spoke like no one I would ever heard. He was so funny. He was this, he was that. And then when he preached the gospel, it changed me. I wasn't planning on confessing that, but um, <laughs> I'm not even sure where I'm going with it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to think back, like why, why wasn't missions a consideration? And truthfully, it's because there's other ministries that are a lot more fun. Um, and you would hear about these missionaries and the way they lived, and my choice was that or stay in the States, and gain a following, make some money, have people speak well of you. And I, I don't even know, you know, so some days I get so lost like, God, I don't even know if I'm for real. Like, how I always catch myself when I, and I'm at a moment of such arrogance. I catch myself that it makes me wonder how much have I not caught? And how much of this goes back from the very start of just not even understanding what this is all about. You know, there's moments, there's moments of clarity you get in your life, but then, there's other times you just get swept up with this movement of the flow of Christian ministry and then, then well-meaning people telling you, no, it's okay, it's okay. Well, not everyone's called to give their lives. Not everyone has to suffer. I remember my wife even would see this struggle in my life. And, and there were many times, you know, after we started the church where she goes, Francis, I just don't think you're ever gonna be happy until you're in the middle of the jungle somewhere you know, with some tribe and, you know, with a spear in your face. You, she goes, it just seems like you've been fighting this. And so I, I wrestle with it, I wrestle with it still. There's still, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's great things happening and I'm, I'm seeing some changes, uh, you know, and, and just some things I do believe the Lord has called me to here in the US, there are some of those things. Um, But just, again, (laughs) if I haven't made it clear enough, you're looking at a confused man up here. Um, But I want to share the topic they gave me was perseverance in the gospel, which I think is very timely. Perseverance, um, because again, it's easy to make a commitment and say, yes, I'm going to do this thing. But then life happens, temptations arise, there's easier things you can do with your life, and you have everyone and their mother convincing you to do those easier things so they feel better about their lives, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, But I remember when I was in, uh, China, okay, so let me back up a little bit. So what I'm doing right now, just so you know, I, I'm in San Francisco, I'm in the Bay Area, and we're planting churches. Um, but these are churches that, I, uh, that are, are based out of homes, and we're just raising up leaders with all lay people. There are no salaries and there are no buildings. There's no cost. So all of the offering goes towards missions. Okay, everything goes. No one gets paid. Um, and and it's been awesome, okay? I love these people. We have people that uh, you know, are working at uh, some of these tech companies in Silicon Valley. We have others that are right out of prison. Um, I, I, I love them, it's it's multiplying, we, we we try to just, you know, my whole thing was, well, well let me go to the scriptures, okay, if I were to start all over, because I went down the path, you know, that we were told to go down, but then it's like, okay, what if I was on an island and I read this book over and over again, and I just thought, okay, well, how would I define church? And I began asking everyone that question, forget all of your experience, just, just go to the scriptures, okay, just use the Bible, if you are on that island and you studied, what is the church what is the church what is the church what would you come up with and and people started telling me you know not based on experience but based on scripture what is the church define it and the same answers kept coming back well it'd be this body that loved each other so deeply that their love for one another was actually a light to the world It was this group of people that were so focused on getting the gospel to the ends of the earth that that was their focus. How are we gonna all get the gospel to the ends of the earth? They were individuals, that were all sharing the gospel with these other people. And yes, they would gather together for communion, that'd be a huge thing, for prayer, to hear the word of God, to understand the disciples' teaching, and for, again, this fellowship, this unity. The church would be this people that were supernaturally filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single person in that gathering had a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. And so it was, it, was, it was the leaders discipling and equipping these people so they could exercise that gift and do the work of the ministry. I mean, these are the things that kept coming back over and over and over And so we we began okay then let's let's create church this way let's let's start off with this what i need to know is i need to gather with some spirit filled believers who want to serve who believe they have a gift for the common good that get this vision and say no I do want to be that in love with you not just visit you once a week but to to have that type of love where I'd give you a shirt you know off my back I you know this this is the love we want and, and and we've got to figure out how to get everyone sharing like verbalizing the gospel you know seriously you know and so so these are the things that that we started with and you know in one church, and then it split into two, and then you know those two split into four, and now we're we're getting ready to split into eight, um, and it's exciting. It's great, great times, and uh, a lot of this was was me just going to China and going, man, they were able to do it. Um, they were able to spread like crazy. I understand. There's 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 faults in every church. But when you talk about millions and millions and millions of people reached without this sense of this, the same structure we had and going, okay, biblically, there are elders. Let me figure out how to do the elder thing. Let me have, you know, Keeping as much structure as I see in scripture, but not more than that. Um, not demanding more that, than that. And, and so anyways, I, I, I tried to model a lot after the Chinese church. And then a couple months ago, I was back in China talking to one of the leaders of, of one of the networks. And um, he was explaining to me how he started to build a mega church, you know, and then the government shut him down again. And uh, so he went back to the house church thing. But he says what he, he loved was going back to their pillars, going back to what, what got them there. And he started to explain the five pillars to me. And I'm like nodding my head like, yeah, 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 you know, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do, okay. So like the first one, he, you know, I, I don't remember the order, but he, he talked about prayer. He goes, there was such a deep commitment to prayer. You know, we kind of lost that. He goes, once, we, you know, I just gathered all the people there. There was so much dependence on me, but we, we got back. You know, once we had to split up again, we, we got back to that commitment to prayer. He goes, we got back to the commitment to the Word of God, where everyone studying the Word of God, cherishing the Word, you know, like, like loving this, obeying this book. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's us too. He goes, that, that third pillar was the preaching of the gospel, where everyone is called to preach the gospel. And I go, man, that's, that's great. That's happening. You know, like, like I was just sharing with, with some guys this morning, two weeks ago, I was at one of our, our house church gatherings, and, and they had probably like 30 people in there, and, and, uh, and the leader just kind of asked, so tell me about the week. And as he, he asked, I would say at least 80% of those people, when they talked about their week, shared about, a situation where they verbalize the gospel to an unbeliever and and whether they were rejected or whether you know what and i thought man this is so cool like like okay so let's just say 25 out of those 30 or so actually verbalized the guy and maybe they all did i just didn't hear from everyone and I thought, wow, they are reaching out to these people. In your average church of 1,000, do you think you'll find 25 people who verbalized the gospel to an unbeliever that week? So, so as, as this, this pastor in China is explaining this, I'm going, man, no, no, that's us too. We're, we're, we're doing this. We're getting this. And then he, then he said one that I was like, oh, okay. I'm not, uh, that's, that's new. He goes, the other one, he goes, one of the pillars was this regular expectation of miracles a regular expectation of miracles. I was like, wow, I I grew up in a pretty conservative background. I I don't know, you know, I've definitely leaned more and more and more and I'm seeing more and more, but the expectation every week, I don't know is there, but so I need to grow there, but we're not bad. We're not bad. You know, I'm evaluating our our my churches, and I'm going, no, I, I think, I think, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. But then his last one just blew me out of the water. I just, it never entered my mind. All the people I asked, what do you see in scripture? Yada yada yada. He says the fifth pillar was that all of our followers embraced. Suffering for the glory of Christ. We embrace suffering for the glory of Jesus. And I just sat there going, huh. (laughs) And you know, I mean, whenever I hear something that's a little weird, I just run it through my grid of scripture, right? That's what we're called to do, test the spirits. And I'm going, oh my gosh, that's in every book of the New Testament. This is everywhere. How did it not even enter my mind? Because I was trying to come up with the things that are most repeated in scripture, most common. That would be up there. Read the New Testament, read the Old Testament, just read the Bible it's just all over i mean that's what it means to be a follower of christ is this idea of i embrace the cross i actually want the fellowship of his sufferings i i'll actually rejoice in the sufferings but i, I just know it and i and i realize wow why is it that people quit ministry is because it's too hard it, it hurts i'm suffering i'm getting rejected by friends i don't have this where 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 you know and why is it that we have this attitude is because we haven't taught people a proper theology of suffering and yet they got it they were saying no we actually embrace the suffering we love the suffering because according to scripture when we suffer that those are eternal rewards and 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 it just hit me like when you learn to embrace suffering that's when you have an unstoppable force because what can they do to you when you've embraced suffering? <laughs> Nothing that you don't want in the first place anyways. And, and so I'm, it, it, just, it was just one of those moments where I'm going, okay, Lord, this, this is it. This is a big one. We have got to teach people how to embrace suffering here in America, that, is, that we have not taught a good theology of suffering, and I read this whole paper that this Chinese pastor had written about the embracing of suffering, and I'm just going, oh, he is so right on, so right on. How have we missed this? And it's because we expect comfort, and we expect ministry to go a certain way, and we expect certain successes, that when we fail, when we suffer, we feel like something is going wrong. Whereas Peter says, hey, don't think it's weird when you suffer. But the truth is, is in this country, even amongst pastors, there's this expectation for things to go a certain way. And I try to think through in my 30-something years as a believer, has anyone ever encouraged me to rejoice while I was suffering. Has anyone ever done that for you? Where you're just going, oh my gosh, I feel like everything's falling apart. Do they go, man, that's awesome. (laughs) Think of the eternal reward. I'm so envious of you right now. See, we we laugh at that because it's so foreign to us, but I'm telling you it's not in other places. I mean, a lot of you guys know that. I mean, when I first visited the underground church, okay, and this is this this was not just a a church, but these were the missionaries that they were sending out. There's a young people. Okay, and, and I couldn't even take my family. My family was there, but they weren't allowed to go. They said, you can take one, you know, with you. And so I took my oldest daughter. I just, ah, she's probably most expendable. And so we, we went and uh, he says, you know, it's a little dangerous we, we get to this place and, 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 and here's this room full of young people, maybe not quite this many, but a good amount of them. And I started asking them about suffering and, and started asking them about some of the trials they'd been through. And it was crazy, it was crazy, you know, because these young people, they would stand up and they would talk about, oh, there's this one time these government officials came and I I still remember, you know, I, I was hiding, you know, in this one spot and just stiff as a board, you know, just, and everyone's like laughing. You know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and you know, and this one guy was saying, yeah, then they, we, we, you know, when they saw we ran, we ran, and, and we heard these gunshots, they started firing. But but we were always told, you know, look, when they start shooting, they're not really shooting at you. They're usually shooting up in the air, so just keep running. And so we just like, so we all just kept running, you know, going, just run, they're just shooting in the air. You know, but they just, they're, they're telling these stories of different things that would happen But it wasn't in the, I guess it was the attitude of that meeting. It wasn't like, look what we did. Look what we pulled off. Ooh, this was, this, this." They were just rejoicing. Like there was a, a joy to it. Having been in India and seeing some of the persecuted believers, people missing limbs or, you know, scars over their bodies. It's not like this, oh, look what I did for the gospel. I'm going to write a book about it. It was just this, this joy of, well, what did you expect? Like I, and I remember even the, the, the people in that underground gathering were saying, they, one of their questions, is all through transit, they're like, why are you so interested in this? And I had to tell them, because it's not like this where I come from. We don't have this. We actually go to these buildings called churches. And then if we don't, if we, if there's a better speaker down the street, we'll switch. And, you know, if we get mad at someone, we switch. And if the service goes too long, we switch. If you, all these things, and, and they just, they're laughing hysterically. Just like, come on, really? How in the world did you guys come up with that? And I'm just like, I know we're so stupid, I, and I'm the one leading this. You know, it's it's just, and it was just this obvious, like, man, something's got to change. But I didn't put together this that it was a, a large part was our theology of suffering, like we don't expect it, and so we're trying to keep people in our gatherings by making it as easy as possible rather than by giving them a good theology of suffering. Because that's what keeps you from quitting. First Peter chapter four, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. It says, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Never think about that phrase, arm yourselves. I was tempted to, you know, just bring armor, you know? But I didn't want to hear any of the jokes, like, hey, there's a chink in your armor. Um, but, but <laughs> just kidding. But I thought, you know, like when my, my, son, uh, my son plays baseball, and he'll put on his batting helmet, and I love to just throw the baseball at his head when he has the helmet on, it doesn't hurt. You know, when someone's got a motorcycle helmet, I thought about that. Oh, maybe I'll just bring a motorcycle helmet and have someone shoot a paintball at it. It's just, it's not going to hurt me. I got this armor on. Go ahead, throw things. I, I seriously thought about it. Let me just Let me just get some armor and just have people throw things at me. Because it's fun. Isn't it fun when you're in something that, you know, whether it's a helmet or whatever, and someone hits you in the head, it's like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, It's that's cool. That's, that's the idea here. Armor, armor. You can't hurt me with this. And, and, and what Peter says was, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same. See, when you arm yourself and you go, wait, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. This was his mindset. Look, I know you're not serving me, but I didn't expect you to. I actually expect you to, to kill me. So kill me. Do it see it was an arming of this mindset if jesus came with the mindset of these people are going to serve me and they're going to treat me as king yeah then there'd be a frustration then there'd be a quitting now, even knowing all of this, yes, there was that moment in the garden where even in his you, you know humanity is going, father's her any other way. Okay, we got to here, but ah, oh, can you take this cup from me? So I'm not saying it's not difficult, even after having this mentality, but I don't believe our people are armed with this mindset. How many people do you know that are armed with the mindset of suffering in America? that go, this is what I expect. No, instead, we come to a church building, a church gathering, and we sit there, and we expect certain things. And if we don't get that type of service, and the church doesn't meet our needs, we'll go to another one who will do that, rather than this attitude of, no, I'm actually gonna go into that room to maybe get beat up by some of the other members. I'm gonna actually go into that room and try to serve people and I'll get rejected. Arm yourselves with this mentality. See, this is what Jesus taught from the start, right? He didn't, he didn't lie to people. He didn't go, come, come on, you know, this is gonna be great, this is gonna be, great. no. He would always just go, are you sure you wanna do this? Let me just, let me make sure you understand this correctly i don't have anywhere to sleep tonight you going to follow me cuz we may be in the middle of the desert i don't know foxes have their holes the birds have these nests i don't have anywhere to lay my head you sure you want to be my disciple i mean if you want to be my disciple you're going to have to pick up a cross and follow me i mean deny yourself pick up your cross you, you sure See, once we have this mentality of understanding what it means to follow Jesus and to go, okay, since Jesus suffered in the flesh and that's my role model, then that's what I need to expect. That's why he told his disciples, look, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. They're not gonna treat you like like kings when when they treat me with the cross. What are you expecting? So arm yourselves, get ready. This is going to be a war. This is going to be difficult. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, blessed, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says, blessed are you. Isn't that what he does in the Beatitudes? He kind of, uh, I read this one commentary that says like Jesus went into this, the, the store of happiness and, and changed all the price tags, you know. He says, here's, here's, here's how you get happiness. Here's what you pay to get happiness. Here's what blessing is. Blessing is when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Is that what we teach Is that what pastors mean when they say, follow Jesus and you'll be blessed? Is this this the passage they're referring to? Is it the Beatitudes that they're referring to? No, because our understanding of blessing, what we've taught in the church, is blessing is being rich. When you see a man with a big house and tons of uh, property, you know, and, and, and money, you go, wow, the Lord's really blessed you. But when's the last time you saw someone reviled, persecuted, and, and, there, and people are uttering all sorts of evil at their name, and you thought, man, there's a blessed man. There's a blessed woman. I think it was my wife that was praying with this gal from our church when, when I was pastoring down here in Southern California, and she had just had a baby, and, uh, and she started praying for the baby. And, and this girl, as she was praying for the baby, she's going, God, would you bless us so much that, that maybe one day my daughter, would you would count her worthy to die for you? Would, would you, well, could we, could either of us die as martyrs, Lord? Because that would be the greatest blessing. Man, who, who talks like this besides Jesus. Who in our country speaks like this where, man, that we bless and, and we, we envy people who are actually suffering for the gospel. He says, rejoice. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When's the last time you counsel someone to rejoice in their sufferings? And just where you truly meant it, like, oh, I'm so envious. You're doing it. This is good. This is good. This is good. Because this isn't just, I mean, again, in Luke 6, he says, be glad in that day and leap for joy. It's just, this is crazy. I did it. This is awesome. I'm suffering. Rather than the complaining every time we suffer, of rejoicing. I hear a lot of complaining in ministry. A lot of complaining in the church, but how about rejoicing? And suffering? When's the last time you heard rejoicing in suffering here? And this wasn't just like a vague, figurative, well, Jesus meant it in your heart type of thing. No, the early believers saw this literally and lived it out. That's why you have Peter and John, right? You know, or you have the apostles in Acts 5, you know, when they had struck them. You know, they, they called in the apostles, they beat them, charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let him go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Later in chapter 16, you got Paul and Silas, after they'd been struck with many blows, thrown into prison. What do they do? They start singing hymns. It's just this, it, it wasn't just something they feel in their heart. It was like, no, they literally rejoiced. They literally lived it out. They went to bed at night going, that's a good day. And I think some of us have felt that sometimes, right? Where it was a rough day and at the end, you kind of go, oh, that's the way it should feel. I get it. I actually like it. I actually enjoyed what persecution I did get. In Philippians 3, verse eight, Paul says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I mean, this was his prayer. When is the last time you prayed that? When's the last time you got on your knees and go, okay, you know what I would love? Lord, I would love to share. I want to have the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. God, could I... Could I become a martyr? Could I actually be persecuted? Even today, could my name just be slandered? Could I, could I just share the gospel with someone and have them spit in my face? Like, could I share? I, I want that. Yes, I want the power of the resurrection, those miracles that Jesus did. I want that. But I also want the fellowship of the suffering. It's this desire. See, who has that? Man, I'm not saying I'm there, but I can say that recently I've been able to pray that carefully. You know, I'm I'm tiptoeing into this going God, I know, I know I do want some of this, and I know that forever I'll regret it if I just keep avoiding suffering. Cuz it's not like there's not persecution in our country. It's just that we as Christians have figured out ways to avoid it and our our brothers and sisters overseas could do the same thing. They really could if they just kept quiet and went with the flow. It's just they choose not to because they see what the scriptures say and it's not just that they rejoice but they actually want some of the suffering. They they, they understand what Paul's saying here and go, no, I want some of this. Peter continues later on in in, in, uh, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised... Okay? we expect it do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed I mean, it's those of us who actually suffered with him in the flesh that when he returns, there is. I mean, come on, if the Spirit's in you, I I know you, you internally know what I'm talking about. Like there's part of you that wants to face Jesus having suffered. There's a greater joy knowing you get. That's, that's, that's that uncomfortable side my wife talks about that's in me. It's like, honey, you know, like, I, I just feel like there's more. There's more you want to sacrifice. It's like it's in you. Like, you're not going to be happy until you know you've given it all. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. As he talks about the the suffering and judgment and I mean, I guess that's what this is all about, right? We look at this group of people that's out there and go, okay, do I believe this or not? So often our lives just don't make sense in light of what we read here. And I think a lot of us are searching for this and there's like this uneasiness in us because we read the scriptures and we go, I'm not there and my life is not congruent with this book yet. Um, and yet we have everyone and their mother telling us, oh no, you're doing great. But internally, through the spirit, we're going, no, there's more. I don't embrace suffering like I know scripture wants me to. I'm still in love with some things here on this earth. I'm still holding on to some of the pride, some of my reputation. I'm still fearful for the future of my family and this and that. And but we've created an environment where it says okay the ideal is to have this christian family that doesn't swear and and uh, you know and your kids are, are you know this is blessing living in this little community that's safe and your kids are around christian friends and that, and i think for those of us who study the scriptures we're going gosh something's not right with my life and I wanna get it right, and I think we need to just be honest with each other and say, look, let's fight for this together. And that's what our communities and our churches and San Francisco are starting to do is go, man, we wanna give this all up for the gospel. We want to embrace this suffering that Peter talks about, that Paul talks about, that Jesus talks about, that John talks about. That's, That's in every book of the New Testament. Like, we want this and we've missed it And I think when we teach our people to not only expect suffering, but to rejoice in suffering, and then to even want suffering, then I say, we're gonna have an unstoppable force, (laughs) right? You're gonna have people quitting because it's hard. It's like, well, we expected that. and. You're not gonna have people complaining that it's hard. They're actually rejoicing in that. And they're not gonna be people who avoid it. They actually want it. And, uh, and I'm praying for that in my own life. And for those of you who have made commitments as churches, as leaders, to reach these groups, embrace the suffering that's coming your way. Um, I doubt you're gonna go back and and it's gonna be smooth, just like you expected. Wow, I went home and the whole church was for it and they allotted this X amount of budget to it and and they sent us off and then we went to this tribe and everyone gave their life to the Lord. Man, let's make another movie. You know, it's just. No, I highly doubt it. I think Satan's gonna throw everything your way with more fun opportunities, struggles even at home, Struggles with the home church. People on the field actually dying and being persecuted. And, you know, because we live in a church here in America where safety is so important to us. And they're going to try to discourage it and talk you out of it. Family members, everyone else. And so if we, above everyone else, don't model this rejoicing and going, I knew it was coming. I'm actually happy about it. I actually wanted some of this I didn't know it was gonna be this much but I'll take it and that just means more reward in heaven for me can we have that type of insane attitude that's what I'm praying for and I prayed that before I came up here because I know it's easy to come to a gathering like this this is what I do not in the with this specific uh, paradigm but man I speak at conferences every week and I see the nodding of heads, and I see the excitement, but there just requires something so much deeper once the conference is over, right? And the real trials come, and I'm just praying for that type of acceptance in my life as well as yours. This is not one of those where I get to come up here and say, you guys need to figure this out because I've mastered it. This is one of those where I'm going, wow, God, I still love a lot of things and I want you to kill it. And earlier there in 1 Peter 4, let me just say this and I'll close. I just feel led to say this again. He says, look, it's the person who suffered who ceases from sin. There's no defeating sin without suffering. That's what Peter's saying. It's a person who's learned how to suffer. He's the one that conquers his sin. And some of you are caught up in sin right now. And to get out of that requires suffering. Some of you are dabbling in a relationship that you know is not right with the Lord and you're gonna have to suffer through that by cutting that off. Even the little Facebook flirting or whatever else it may be. A little counseling sessions or whatever it may be. It's like you gotta just cut it off. Some of you are addicted to pornography. That's what the stats will tell you. And there's a lot of suffering required in that. I work with people that are addicted to heroin. You don't kick heroin without screaming your head off in torture. You just don't defeat sin without suffering. And so whatever that may be in your life, man, I want to pray that you would have the faith to suffer through it knowing that it's gonna be worth it in the end. I just had to throw that in along with everything else, but let me pray for us. God, help us to arm ourselves right now, Father. God, help us all, Lord. I need your spirit even to know what to pray right now, Father, I need you, I need you, Father, because I know my life is too comfortable still. I know there are things I hold on to, I know I avoid rejection, and that's why I don't share the gospel as boldly as I should, because I don't rejoice in suffering. And God, I know a lot of us in this room don't share like we should because we don't rejoice in suffering. We don't want to share in the sufferings of Christ. And so, Father, this is gonna take a miracle, not a sermon, a miracle, Father, by your Holy Spirit to give us this courage, Lord, where we're willing to suffer and, and where we expect it and we want it and we rejoice amidst it, Father. God, may that be true of us so we can spread this obvious truth of your scripture to others, that we would build a church that's an unstoppable force, that doesn't quit when it's difficult, but actually loves it, because we so believe that there's a reward in heaven. Give us that type of faith, Father, so we can finish the task that you've laid before us. Teach us to embrace suffering.